Are we on? Okay. Thank you, Steve. Well, we come to the main message portion of our service this morning, so let's get our Bibles out, get them ready to go, and let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that over the years we've grown so much closer to you. Uh, we're learning to know you more clearly and more intimately, and as we study your word today, we pray that you continue to do that and change us as we study your word. Help us to understand your truth and how you want us to be. So uh, you're changing us into the likeness of Jesus Christ himself. So help us to get out of the way and let you complete your work. So uh, Holy Spirit, give us understanding. And we thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue in our uh, study in the book of Acts today. It's very inspiring because we're actually seeing Jesus' prophecy fulfilled. Remember, just before Jesus departed, went back up to heaven in Acts chapter 1, and verse 8, he told the disciples about the preaching of the gospel and the spread of the gospel. He said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, which it did at Pentecost, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So as we've been studying, we've seen this prophecy fulfilled, because certainly in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost took place, and the Holy Spirit came. And then the gospel started to be preached. That day on Pentecost, it was preached in Jerusalem, and then after that, it was preached into the rest of Judea. Samaria, we studied about that with Philip preaching to the Samaritans. And now we're going to see to the ends of the earth. Because today, the first Gentile is going to be called to salvation. You know, I, I just want to pause for a moment. Turn with me back to Matthew chapter 16. Because I think I learned a little bit more clearly as we study through this, the meaning of this particular verse. Matthew 16 and verse 19, something that Jesus had said to the apostles and primarily Peter. Notice he said in uh, Matthew 16, let's look at verse 17. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, that's Peter, remember, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So I'll stop right there. You know, I always wonder, what does that mean? Jesus was speaking to Peter, and he said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Well, you know, I think we've come to an understanding of what Jesus meant because Jesus, uh, Peter was given a particular responsibility, having keys to open doors, so to speak. So on the day of Pentecost, first of all, when the Holy Spirit came, who was the one who got up and preached to the people of Jerusalem? Thank you, Peter. When... Uh, the gospel went to, for the first time, to the Samaritans. Now, it was Philip who traveled to Samaria to preach the gospel, but some pe people were baptized. They didn't receive the Holy Spirit yet. Uh, it all waited until who arrived there to lay hands upon them? Peter. 
Okay, and now we come to the point where the first Gentile, a man by the name of Cornelius, is going to come to salvation. And who was the one, if you understand, and we're going to study that today, but who was the one that was sent to Cornelius? Peter. So Jesus kind of prophesied when he said to Peter, you're a rock, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. It was Peter who started turning the keys and opening doors to salvation. Now, of course, it was God's work, but Peter was instrumental first to the people in Jerusalem and to the people in the rest of Judea, then the people in Samaria, and now as the gospel extends to the ends of the earth, the first Gentile is going to be called. It's Peter. So that was a prophecy by Jesus, and we see in these next several chapters it is fulfilled in Peter's life. So now we come to uh, Acts chapter 10. Let's turn there and read the actual story. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, a soldier, a Roman soldier, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So of all the Gentiles to be the first one, now when I say Gentile, this is a man who has no concept of the Old Testament, of Jewish ways. He is completely out in left field, okay? No experience with God in this regard. It is his prayers, and gifts to the poor that make a difference. It caused God to choose him. And it's interesting to say that your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, this is not just the case with Cornelius, but do you realize that your prayers, every prayer that you say, comes up to God. He hears them. And when we do good works, such as giving to the poor, giving to the needy, that comes up before God, too. You know, there's a scripture, hold your place, in Revelation 8, verses 3 and 4. It kind of says it in symbolic language. It says the same thing. Revelation 8, verses 3 and 4. Another angel who had a golden censer, and that's what you burn incense in, who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand so it kind of symbolically portrays our prayers as incense that kind of wafts up to heaven. 
kind of a fancy way of saying God is aware of all of our prayers. He hears them very clearly, and he's ready to respond. He doesn't always respond the way we ask him or demand him. (laughs) He responds according to his will, which is good because his will is always the best. It's better than our own will. But this man, to be the first Gentile to be called, God looked over all the uh, available candidates and he looked for a man who prayed often and who was very generous to the poor. He didn't know anything about the Old Testament at the time, about the law or anything like that. These are the characteristics that he had that made God choose him. Okay, so back to Acts 10 now. This is what he tells him to do. The angel tells him, verse 5, Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray, as people normally did. It was a cool place to go. You had privacy. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice, supposedly that of God, told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, what would have been Peter's reaction to this? Okay. Now, Peter, a Jew, we know that he would have obeyed the laws of clean and unclean meats. Uh, as found in the Old Testament. And many of you are familiar with with those laws because we used to keep them. (laughs) And if you turn back to Leviticus 11 or Deuteronomy chapter 14 in the Old Testament, you'll read about the law of clean and unclean meats. It says for any animal, land animal, that you intend to eat, it should have a cleft hoof and should chew the cud. I think most of us remember those, those laws. And for fish, it had to have both scales and, and gills. Now, we're familiar with those. I still remember the chapters that those laws are found in because we used to think that that was important. And we used to try our best to keep those same laws. But now, Peter has this vision, and he doesn't just see clean animals, but he sees all sorts of animals clean and unclean, according to Old Testament law. And somebody, supposedly God, is telling him, kill and eat. Now, Simon is very diligent. Peter is very diligent about his keeping of those Old Testament laws of clean and unclean meats. And notice his reaction. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, he knows he's talking to God or Jesus Christ, and he says, Surely not, Lord. So that's kind of a a strong reply if you're speaking to God. God tells you to do something, and you say, No. 
Because in Peter's mind, those laws were, were more sacred, and those laws were kind of like his identity as a Jew, and it had been drilled in him that you don't do that sort of thing. So here he sees this vision, and a voice from heaven, God, tells him, kill these things and eat them. And his reply is, no, no way. I know better than that. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Wow, that's strange. What's that all about? Well, God was trying to show him a couple things here. But he's going to figure it out. Let's read on. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate to go with them, for I, the Holy Spirit, have sent them. So Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for, why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius, the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And Peter invited the men, who were Gentiles, into the house to be his guests. You don't normally do that if you're a Jew because Gentiles are considered dogs. I mean, that's the prejudice that Jewish people had for Gentile peoples. Now, they shouldn't have had that because, you know, back in the Old Testament, God prophesied through the prophets that eventually Gentiles would be called to believe. But unfortunately, the, the Jews tended to downplay those prophecies and they grew such a hatred for non-Jewish people, and it became a challenge for them to overcome that. Now, you know, I, I, I wondered what to call this sermon. Should we call it the conversion of Cornelius? Or we could also call it the conversion of Peter, because in this chapter here, Peter's going to learn some heavy lessons, and he's going to have to change because he's going to have to come to understand that, wait a minute, it's not Jews who can come to the kingdom of God. It's not just Samaritans that can come to the kingdom of God, who are kind of half Jewish and half not, because they believed in the first five books of the Old Testament. But now it's complete, total Gentiles who are being called to the kingdom of God. And Peter has been given the keys to open the door to them to come to the kingdom, and he's going to first have to overcome his prejudice. And you know, there's a lesson for us too. When we become Christian, a lot, of, a lot of times we are called by God and we have lived a life of prejudice. You know, there are people that were, were comfortable being around and there's people that were not comfortable being around, whether it be nationality, race, sex, etc., uh, etc., and I think we all have, have uh, come a long way in overcoming prejudices that we've had. Maybe we've been taught by our parents or that we kind of picked up from society. And sometimes I, I think that maybe we're not fully out of some of those things. 
because sometimes those feelings rear up inside of us and we think, why in the world am I thinking that, you know? And there's prejudice even politically today. Uh, Democrats versus Republicans versus uh, uh, independents versus this or that. And you know, it seems like the media fans the flames of hatred and prejudice. You know, if you listen long enough, you get upset about this or that. So we need to be on guard all the time because that's Satan trying to divide people. And it can even affect Christians. So let's read on. These Gentiles come, they're invited in, they tell their story to, to Peter. We pick it up uh, here in verse 23. The next day Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. So understand the attitude of this man. He, he was a Gentile, he was a soldier, a Roman soldier, and he is called by an angel to invite Peter to his house. And he's not only there to meet Peter, but he's got his relatives, his close friends, his whole family here sitting in the living room waiting for this man to hear what he's going to say to them. So he's a very obedient man, a very humble man. It looks like God really called the right person to be the first Gentile to come to salvation. Verse 25, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. I'm not an angel. So talking with him, verse 27, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with Gentiles or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? So Peter started to get the point when he saw that vision. God sent down a vision of the sheet, not just with clean animals, but now with unclean and clean animals mixed together. And he was told, kill and eat. So what God was showing Peter, listen, the things that you thought were unclean, God doesn't consider them to be unclean, whether it be animals or people. So Cornelius answered, he tells the story. Four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a job for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simeon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately. And it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Wow, what an attitude. You know, for a pastor <laughs> to think of his congregation, hopefully, having that attitude. You know, you come here on a, on a given Sunday, and your attitude is, okay, let's all be quiet now. We're here in the presence of God to listen to everything our pastor, the Lord has commanded our pastor to tell us. Wow, that's a humble attitude. You're ready to hear, ready to learn, respectful of the words that are going to be said to you. That's the attitude we should all have. 
Then Peter began to speak, verse 34, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men and women from every nation who fear him and do what is right. So here's Peter being converted. Yeah, he was baptized. Yeah, he received the Holy Spirit, but he was not perfect before God. He had these prejudices that he was living with. He hated some people. And God finally showed him, and he's showing us, you're not to hate anybody. God can call anybody, no matter what nation they're from, no matter what race they are, no matter what sex they are, even if it's, they're not just male-female, if they're kind of uh, mixed sex, as we have today in our society, sexually uh, confused or whatever the case, God can call anybody. So don't prejudge them. Don't have prejudice and hatred and disdain for them because you're judging somebody who likely God is going to call to salvation. He can call anybody to salvation that he chooses. And if their heart is right and if they're humble... They're going to be right there along beside us in the kingdom of God. So we got to learn the same lesson that Peter had to learn here. And uh, you know what? I'm sure it wasn't easy for him to learn, but finally he saw it clearly. He saw what the sheet with the animals meant. You know, here's an important thing to understand. For the Jews, dietary laws, clean and unclean meats was a matter of identity. It was a matter of identity. It reminded them of who they were. They were God's people by the foods that they ate and the foods that they would avoid, the days that they would keep. And you know, in the Worldwide Church of God, we were like that too. You know what? Those laws that we kept, they were our identity. And that's why it was so hard when we came to understand, as Peter just did, that those laws are not what's important anymore. Our identity isn't in those things that we used to do. Our identity is in Jesus Christ himself. He is our identity. And our identity is not in things or in rules and regulations. It is in Jesus alone. And that's a lesson that I had to learn, and it's a lesson that you all had to learn as well. Amen. We had to put aside the things that we thought made us who we are. And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, saddened because from time to time I kind of come in contact with uh, members who used to be a part of our denomination who left when the changes came. When God brought us to grace, we know that a lot of our members refused to walk with us any longer. And uh, some of the churches that formed, and there have been so many, we call them splinter groups, and they've splintered time and time again afterwards. And if you look at one of their websites, you know, it talks about the things that they believe, their doctrines, so to speak. And the first one, the one of prime importance for them, is the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day and the holy days, and the laws of clean and unclean meats, and, and one after another, they list those things. You know, our website, when we list our doctrines, what do we believe in, 
where we find our identity first and foremost, Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. He is our Savior. We're saved through Him by God's grace. You know, that's our identity. Our identity is Jesus Christ. If it's not about Jesus Christ, it's not about anything. But God had to draw us out of that to show us that, okay, those things are not who you are. And those things were of prime importance to us. We still talk about them from time to time. But it's a tough lesson that Peter had to learn, and you know what? It was a tough lesson that we had to learn, too. Your identity is not in your dietary laws. It's not that the days that you keep or don't keep. Your identity is in Jesus Christ alone. Food laws and certain days to keep and not keep separated you from other people. And we certainly knew that, didn't we? You go out to eat with somebody, you had to be very careful what you chose off the menu, and you even inquired, well, what kind of meat is that in there? (laughs) And if it was the wrong kind of meat, you didn't eat it. And people would think, well, that's weird. (laughs) What's, What's your problem? You know, you buy a pack of hot dogs, and you have to start looking at the ingredients. It's a hot dog, okay? It separates people. You know, we used to go to church on a Saturday because we thought that's what God wanted us to do when the rest of the body of Christ was going to church on a Sunday. And we had a certain separation. We felt different. You know, there was a time in the Old Testament where God wanted his people, Israel, to be different and to be separate. But God is now showing Peter that those days are gone, that no longer applies with the preaching of the gospel. And now that God is calling people of all cultures, he doesn't want us separated from anybody anymore. He wants us mingling with people as we preach the gospel and as we live the gospel because God's calling people from all sorts of backgrounds. Jew and Gentile alone. So food laws and such had the effect of keeping people separated from each other. In the New Covenant, God does not make that distinction between Israelites and Jews, and he doesn't make it today. We're available to all people. And he doesn't want roadblocks or uh, speed bumps in the road for us to be separated from who God wants the gospel to reach. So Peter now is going to go ahead and preach the gospel to them. Uh, He says in verse 34, Then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. That's what it's all about, Jesus. That's Peter's identity now. You know... What has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We, the apostles, are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. 
He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. There you go. He just preached the gospel. That's the gospel to Gentiles. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. So the Holy Spirit comes into the room, just like he did on Pentecost, comes in, all those who are sitting, friends and relatives, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God, just like on Pentecost. So God wanted to show that, you know what? These Gentiles who are now coming to salvation are not going to be second-class Christians. The same miracles happen here with the Gentiles that happened on Pentecost in Jerusalem with those who were called out of Judaism. So then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Praise God. A miracle. Just like Pentecost. No matter where you're called from, no matter what your background, you are a full-fledged Christian. There's no, no difference. Now turn with me to Ephesians 2, verse 13. Ephesians 2, verse 13. Peter kind of further clarifies what this was all about. Once Gentiles came into the church just like former Jews had. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 13, says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, Gentiles, you know, spiritually speaking, they didn't know anything about the Old Testament, Moses, any of those individuals. You who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two, Jews and Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier. What was the barrier? Well, anything that made the Jews distinct. Laws of clean and unclean mates, days to be kept, special days throughout the year, uh, whatever the case may be. Jesus has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. You know, the things that made Peter hostile toward the Gentiles, why he thought of them as dogs and worthless people. Jesus, by his death on the cross, destroyed everything that kept Jew and Gentile separated. He made them one. He brought them together in peace. Verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself, in Jesus, one new man out of the two. So out of the Jew versus Gentile, there's no difference, no division anymore, and it's like we're all one kind of person before God, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility, he came and preached peace to you who were far away, Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, Jews. For through him... 
we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And you know, the same holds true today. Because of Jesus Christ, there are no differences between us. You know, the media builds up hostility between different groups in our country today and in the world for that matter. So no matter what country you travel to, there are prejudices. You know, uh, Pastor Jim from uh, Rush Church was telling me he went to Haiti, okay? And somebody would have to uh, clarify for me, but there's an island. Half of it is Haiti and half of it is, who knows? Dominican Republic. And you know, if you remember back a few years ago, that hurricane came through and decimated Haiti. This was what, five years ago or so? Maybe six or seven. And there was such poverty there. And unfortunately, no help came from the Dominican Republic because the people of Haiti are so looked down upon. There's poverty there. And I don't know the whole history of it, but Haitians, no one reaches out to help them because nobody cares about this country and those people. So no matter where you go in the world, don't think that prejudice is just found in the United States. Prejudice is found around the world. All countries have different histories. You know, I can remember uh, in India, you know, the Hindu people, they, they have a class structure. And there's a, a group of people called, they're the low class, they are called the untouchables. Because nobody dare have any contact with them. They are so looked down upon. And uh, so Jesus Christ, by his death on the cross, has broken down all barriers between people. There should be no barriers. And we all have to do a personal check on our hearts, just like Peter did. He realized that he had been prejudiced, very prejudiced against Gentiles. And God had to break that down and help him see the light. So God has taken away from us things that used to separate us from others. Things that where we found our identity. So when you find your identity in Christ, it makes all people equal. One more scripture in Galatians 3. Galatians 3 and verse 26. Paul says this, You are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. It's not any ritual thing that you do or days that you keep or foods, your, you know, your dietary uh, restrictions. You're all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. He's your identity. He's what you focus on. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. And we can add others here. There's no longer Republican or Democrat. Uh, whatever you, you pick that divides people today. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Because remember what God said to Abraham way back, book of Genesis, that the world's going to be blessed by your seed, by one of your descendants who turned out to be Jesus Christ. And, you know, your descendants are going to be like the sand on the seashores of the whole world. 
like the, that many grains of sand. That's going to be, you know, your descendants, and they're going to be blessed by Jesus Christ, your descendant. And that fulfills that prophecy. So, you know what? We have the freedom of being called to salvation in Jesus Christ. And he has come to do away with all the different groups, all the different nationalities or races or this or that, caste classes of people who think that they're better than everybody else and they deserve salvation and other people don't. He has just smashed all that down. And we are all one. The whole world is one in God's eyes because he is calling people through the preaching of the gospel to salvation of every nation. Amen. And some people are struggling to hear it. Some people are still persecuted in China and places like that. And Christians are dying every day because they are Christians or because they listen to the gospel. But Jesus has come to bring that all to an end and he is in the process of doing that. So just like Peter, we need to look at our hearts and think to ourselves, is there anybody that we hate or love less by comparison because of this or because of that. You know, the gospel is going out to everybody, no matter what their station in life is, no matter where they come from. Uh, and we better make sure that we are welcoming to them, just as Peter was, how he was able to put aside all the things that separated him from other people, because that's the way God wants us to be. Amen. So... A very inspiring lesson there that still applies to our day today. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful example of the Apostle Peter, how he was given the keys to open so many doors to salvation in Jesus Christ, the doors of the gospel to go through. And he was a, a brave man. He was a bold man, but he was a brave man to follow your instruction and to take this gospel to different groups, groups that he previously hated, groups that he previously looked down upon. But help us to learn the lesson that he learned, Lord, to remove prejudice from our life, to not look down on any group, no matter how different they may be from us, because Jesus came and died on the cross to bring all people together. So thank you, Lord. Continue to guide us and lead us in that direction as you change us and bring us more into the likeness of Jesus Christ himself. And help us to always remember that our identity is not in anything, anything, but Jesus himself. Amen. And that brings people together. And that's the message we've been given to preach. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.